Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there, and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're always so happy to be with you. I hope you're happy wherever you are, too. This is kind of a staple of our week schedule, isn't it, Linda? You know, a lot of things come and go, and every week is different. But one thing that's kind of the same every week is we sit down together and we do ours on the road. And uh, when we forget to write in our diaries and our journals, which is pretty often, that doesn't matter because we can just go listen to that week's ours on the road and remember where we were and what we were doing. (laughs) And where we are right now is uh, at our downtown place. We're looking out at mountains and a beautiful view this morning. It's fall where we are, and it is, well, it's just beginning to be fall. It's been 90 degrees for many, many days, 80 yesterday, but we're just about to hit it this and, weekend. And if you hear a little bit of relief in our voices, it's because, Linda, today this is your one-month anniversary. Right today, your one-month anniversary of oh. your total knee replacement. I wanted to wait till we were on the air to just congratulate you on getting through the first month. Before we did this surgery, um, I say we because we kind of did it together. Oh, my goodness. Richard's <laughs> been so great at taking care of me. Man, he be, brings me peaches and wheat checks with yogurt every morning. And Hey, I've been doing some cooking, too. Come while. on. Yeah, I've done more good. cooking this last month than in the previous 50 years. Honey. You have learned how to do the wash, how to turn on the dryer, <laughs> Come how on, to do I the knew dishwasher. Well, sort of. But You know, everyone should actually go through that in, in a marriage, which actually is somewhat related to our topic today, which yeah. we'll get to in a minute. But everyone should go through a, a month when their spouse is completely incapacitated for several reasons. One, you learn to appreciate that person far, far more than you ever did before. Two, you you sort of learn some roles and some functions, <clears throat> how appliances work. <laughs> and that's a good thing to know. And third, there's something, I don't know, there's something kind of wonderful about being able to just really take care of the person you love the most. And some people do that all the time. Some people have spouses with difficulties and their caregivers all the time. I have one friend who, you know, lived with a spouse who had serious Alzheimer's for 10 years and he took care of her. And I think there is a relationship between love and caring. And and the more you serve, the more you love, you know. And so I think I love you more than I ever have right now because I've I've had a chance to serve you so much over this last month. Oh, and I definitely love you more <laughs> than I ever have before because I have really been well cared for. And how are you? And you took all my complaints and whining about stuff and just handled it so well. It was amazing. And it really is true that there is something wonderful about caregiving at least for short periods of time. Wow, the long term is so hard. Bless you if you've been doing that. Well, and there's even something about vulnerability. You know, sometimes, especially with type A personalities, which I think we both have to admit to, Linda, you you just, you know, you want to be so independent and you just don't want to need anyone and you just want to be your own person and 
do it yourself and so on. And when you are vulnerable, either for a physical reason or a mental reason or whatever the situation is, there's a kind of an added dimension to your personality. And I, I kind of like it when you're a little bit vulnerable, you know? You're just <laughs> Helpless. Not, you're not so tough as you usually are, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it's really funny um, because I've certainly been helpless uh, for two weeks. Actually, I have to say, for those of you who have had knee replacement surgery, and I bet we're talking to a lot who do. Honestly, we just, or who are contemplating. We just spoke to an audience a couple of days ago and had those raise their hand. Well, it was an older group, but have them raise their hand if they had had um, if they'd had a knee replacement surgery. And there's so many people raise their hands because it's becoming more and more. Um, common, but honestly, I'm sure every every five years they said it improved so much. So I waited for a long time. <laughs> well, we ran into one guy who'd had both of his knees and both of his hips replaced, and he said, "I that's, call myself a four by four. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And I don't think I'm going to do my other knee, even if it really, really, really hurts. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not doing this again. It is pretty wild. Go online and look at knee replacement surgery. They have I haven't done it yet, but they showed me what they did. Whoa, went in and saw this and saw <laughs> that and saw this and stick a thing on the kneecap and whoa, that's wild. Anyway, so, move, for so that. Move, for moving that. on. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that's kind of a good segue, Linda, because the book we're talking about today, many of you regular listeners know we're we're trying to take one of our books every week and review it. This is going back a lot of years. And just give kind of a capsule or a thumbnail sketch of what that book's about. But more importantly than that, expand on that topic because this is a podcast on parenting and family and marriage and so on. And most of our books are on those subjects. So by reviewing one at a time, it gives us a chance to kind of go back and review and also think about the subject of that book and try to apply it as much as we can today. And we're up to the ninth book we ever worked on, and it's a book called Simplified Husbandship and Simplified Fathership. And I want to tell you, we wrote this book, you know, many years ago. Honey, and you things, wrote this book. Things have changed. No, you helped me. Things that, well, you had to. I mean, I you were the subject matter, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> of, I guess. Of the simplified husbandship. But, you know, let's just talk a little about how much the role of dad, particularly, but also the role of husband. How, how, how do you think those roles have evolved over the last 10 or 20 or 30 years? I, I think oh, my it's quite goodness. It's enormous. It's enormous. It's amazing what has happened, and for a lot of reasons, um, which we could or could not go into. But um, it is just remarkable. We were at a big conference last week, and um, over on the side, there were four caretakers with little tiny babies, and they were all dads. They were all dads. All dads. And, there, and so I walked great. out to go to the bathroom in that same meeting, and there were there were there, were, there was a dad in the bathroom changing a diaper now even that would have been kind of a, a rare thing to see a, a generation or two ago it would have i i can't believe what's happened to dads we have our youngest daughter is married to a guy a great guy named ian um they live in london and honestly they're so they're adventurers they're uh, they're i mean actually europe is their 
is their playground. <laughs> and so they go everywhere every weekend or, you know, on vacations. But that dad straps that baby, Gabriel, on the front of him. So the baby's facing forward, he's facing forward, and he walks around like it's he's part of his body. He's part of him, yeah. I mean, he took, he took him to Scotland last week, just the baby, so that Charity could have a little time with their two-year-old. and Well, now three-year-old. But it really is amazing what these fathers can do. Well, and also as husbands, I, I think, again, I don't have any way to quantify this, but we look at our sons and... And honestly, I've just got to be candid and admit it. They're better dads than I was when I was their age. And I think they're better husbands than I was when I was their age. I think they, I think the general rule today is that marriages are far more equal partnerships. They're, they're, they're more sharing partnerships. They're more sort of what should you be doing and what should I be doing and how do we complement each other and how can we form a real working partnership where we're both validated and we're both feeling equally important in the relationship. And I'm, I know I'm describing the ideal, but the point is, I think it's more the ideal today than it was a generation ago. Well, but we have to realize that there, there is the real world and there are marriages that aren't really great. Um, I was just talking to a dear friend the other day who has six children all married and all of them are having issues. Um, and it's really kind of sad. I mean, everybody has issues all the time, but one of her comments to me was, you know, maybe there just aren't really any really happy marriages. And I thought, oh, that is so sad because there are so many happy marriages, but there are a lot of people who are struggling because we have access to so many things and there's a lot of uh, butting heads and so on. But gosh, you know, think about generations ago. Think about the leave it to beaver age when we grew up, actually. And um, we just love that family, and we do still. They're wonderful. But it, there's no, not many leave it to beaver um, marriages happening anymore. So, but the point is, when, when we were working on this particular book, Simplified Fathership and Simplified Husbandship, and by the way, the title. I, I think is worth talking about for a minute. Um, you know, I was uh, I was young in my career. I was working in a really highly competitive, fast-paced industry, management consulting and political consulting. And a lot of my colleagues, all of whom were male, by the way, in those days, um, just, you know, there were a lot of life balance issues. There were a lot of people, you know, the, the work hours were long and people were getting home late and, and families were breaking up. I, w I was a witness to a lot of divorces and a lot of really strained relationships and so on. And I sort of wrote this book for myself. I was thinking, you know, I need to simplify. I need to somehow cut out a bunch of things. I had one friend who was a young CEO of a company, I still remember, and and he had several children. He had more children than I did at the time. And and I was asking him, how do you do it? How do you, how do you manage to be a dad and to run a company and to be a husband? And, and you have a church calling. I know. How do you do it all? And his answer, it wasn't, it didn't thrill me because it was sort of a, uh, you know, it seemed to be an answer that required a lot of sacrifice. He said, I've cut out everything 
except the essentials. I only do three things. I run a company, I try to be a good dad, and I try to be a good husband. That's all I do. I don't play golf. I don't read. I don't. I don't have any. Uh, you know. I wonder if he watched. political interests. I don't watch TV. I wonder really. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, I wonder if he watched football. And I'm like, wait a second. So you mean you know, in order to be good at these things, you have to sort of do them exclusively and cut everything else out of your life? Is your life just you know? Are you just chained to these three things and there's nothing else you can do? You don't have any leisure. You don't have any fun. And I, I, I remember worrying about it and thinking, I want to write a book for myself. How can I play the role of husband well, play it well, and how can I play the role of, of father well and, and still have a life and still, you know, do things? And, and so the simplified for me as I was working on the book meant, how can we boil it down? How can we get it down to some simple, essential things that you have to do if you're going to be a really good dad and a really good, you know, husband? husband? And <laughs> what we're going to do after the break, we got it down to four things, four skills or four attitudes, if you will, four things you want to remember to do as a husband and four things you want to remember to do as you know a, a dad and if you can do those four simple things you're going to be okay and it was it was sort of an effort to simplify the role and it really is going to be fun to go through that because we haven't really thought about that specifically for a lot of years so stick with us we're going to be back in just a minute talking about four things that you can do as a father by your fathership and husband and as a husbandship we'll be right back after a short break Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're talking about a lot of things today, but mostly uh, Simplified Husbandship, Simplified Fathership, which is a book that Richard wrote many, many years ago. With your help, with your help. Well, I helped because I took care of the kids while you wrote. And by the way, if you get curious about this book while we're talking, it is free online. All you have to do is go to valuesparenting.com slash books. And there you'll see a list. Our goal, and we've mentioned this before on the show, our goal as authors is to get all of our books free online so that anyone who wants can just go there and very quickly read them or decide if they want to read them. You can still get these older books on Amazon too. That's the other blessing of Amazon. You know, there's hardly a book, even if it's an older book and even if it's out of print, you can almost always find any book on Amazon these days. It might be a used book or whatever, but it's not a great book. I, I can't believe it. I think some of mine are 10 cents, you know, but um, they are still there. Um, we haven't checked lately, but they, it is amazing. Amazon has everything. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> We're laughing a little because Linda's doing the math and you didn't do the math right, honey. Okay. We're, <laughs> we're figuring out how many minutes we have to do the show. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh, but there's oh, the real yeah, answer. Yeah. Okay. 
But um, you know what 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 you were saying. It's just you, you know we want that's our goal. We want all these books to be free, and this one is free and it's online. But I want to kind of give you a quick idea before we get to the major meat of it. There's some case studies that started off. Let's just read the names of them, Linda. They're, the case of the competing couple. Secondly, the case of the flat marriage. And the case of the church rival. This is a, pers- this is a person who was so caught up in his well, church sure. duties, he couldn't uh, be a good dad. The, the case, case of the non-communicating husband. Um, the case of the short honeymoon. The case of the left alone couple. The case of the domineering wife. The case of the domineering husband. So there's all these case studies that open it up. And then we we get to the simplifying part where we're basically saying, okay, why don't you have, you know, sort of just four words that become your touchstone. And they become the thing that you work on the hardest and they're the only thing you really worry about. And there's four of them on the idea of husbandship. And we'll just read you some of these and talk about them briefly. And we call them word pegs. They're attitudes that we suggest a man ought to have in his mind. And he ought to think about them every day. He ought to think about them during some routine task. Maybe while he's shaving or maybe while he's jogging or maybe while he's driving to work. He goes through these four things in his mind and he, he becomes those things. He thinks about how to become the more. And the first word peg is partnership. And the way to think about that partnership is to follow these little points. Um, These are concepts that you need to have in your mind if there's a real partnership. One, my wife is my partner in all I do. Two, we share everything, including our deepest feelings. Three, we plan our time together and share objectives for our lives inside and outside of our home. And four, we pray together regularly and preceding the prayer is a discussion of a partnership. Now, that's pretty detailed, and I don't know how many marriages actually touch on all four of those things, but, well, if you don't... Well, well but the point, is, the point is becoming... I mean, this is all... The whole thesis of this book is you don't become a good husband by changing your wife. You become a good husband by changing yourself. And the best way to change yourself is to have these four word pegs or these four attitudes constantly in mind and review them at least partially every day while you're doing something that you do every day, whether it's drive to work or shave your face or take a jog, whatever it is. So the first one is um, partnership. The second word peg is protect and appreciate We've taken the appreciate and made it appreciate. And and even the word pamper, the, these, these four P words, all these, all these four concepts start with P. And this one involves just, you know, making yourself believe these things. Number one, I love my wife deeply and understand her need to feel cherished and loved. Number two, I feel tenderness toward her, want to find meaningful ways to compliment her to be chivalrous and protective of her. And three, I watch her closely and notice the times she needs a lift or a tender kiss or a word of sincere appreciation 
or a helping hand. So again, you're trying to say, number one, I'm a partner. Number two, I protect and appreciate her. And boy, some of these things are uh, pie in the sky for some marriages, for some dads, because they just aren't aren't so great at doing it. It's really a great suggestion to even just take one at a time. When I think of our kids' marriages, you know, they're, uh, this is so much a part of your psyche that well i've tried to make it a part you have just done this the idea is to try to force these things into your consciousness so that you're if you think about them once a day then they become part of you and you start doing them naturally and the the third one we use an interesting word because we were trying to make them all start with p and this is a (laughs) word a lot of people are not very familiar with patriarch but it really what it really means is leader and Here's what it means, if Linda reads these just quickly. This is the attitude you're trying to put into your into your mind. Um, my wife shares everything with me, and we're equal partners. Um, number two, I take, I take the lead in planning and goal setting and family prayer and personal interviews with each of the children. Number three, I realize there is no intervening link in this chain between myself and God, and as a father, I'm entitled to direct and inspirate my have inspiration for my wife and children. So we're not suggesting that the husband be um, dominant. No, we're just or, suggesting that he take the lead in things that are going to make his wife feel that she is a partner. Well, and direct might have been a little strong, stronger word, maybe in those days. <laughs> wrote this book that yeah. was more direction. But but then the last one, the fourth P, is maybe the most important, priority. And that's this attitude. My wife comes first in my plans, in my schedule, in my priorities. Two, when I have decisions to make, my first thought is always how they will affect her. And three, I consciously try to find little things to do for her every day. So it's just it's these four things again. If you if you really get it in your head, I'm a partner, I'm a leader, I'm I'm someone that protects her, and and I'm someone that prioritizes her. That just you want that to become a part of your psyche, and that was sort of the thesis of this book that you you change yourself, you change your attitude, you change your thought process. That's what makes you an attentive, prioritizing husband. And I'm just realizing how much more I should appreciate you because, because really, you know, Richard used to go jogging every morning and with these four things in his mind. And by the time he got back, um, he was such a good husband for at least half the day. <laughs> as long as I could remember those things for a little while. Because he really does have these in his mind. And, you know, every marriage is different. Everyone's different. But I, these things really apply to a happy marriage. And, and man, I do appreciate you, honey. So you see the idea of this, of this book. It's not an exhaustive, prescriptive book on how to be a good dad or how to be a good husband. But it's, a, it's, it's these four attitudes to cultivate in each of the two areas. So let's turn to the, to the fathership part. And there are four word pegs again. What are the four things I want to be as a father? What are the four things I want to convey to my children? 
and I want to have them in mind all the time. I want them to become a part of me, so I start doing it automatically without even thinking about it. And the first word peg there is confidence. And, and what it means is essentially the following things. You have this word, I am expressing and showing confidence in my children. These, these are great. I look for my child's gifts, talents, virtues, and sweetness. I notice all he or she does and all he or she is and all that he or she is becoming. Wow, that's a good one. I tell him, we're just going to do him from now on. Yeah. Just be with him, him or her. I, I tell him, I praise him in every way, by word, look, touch. I give more attention for positive behavior than for negative. I avoid criticism conscientiously and carefully. I love my child. I'm more grateful for him than I can express. He is a very important person to me. And I am, I am important because I have him. So you see what, what this book is really about is about self-programming. You're programming yourself to do these things that you already believe in, but you're, you're, you're telling yourself every day, this is who I am, and this is what I do about it. So the second word, Peg, is being a consultant, uh, the word consultantship. And this is an important concept. My children are each unique. Each possesses wonderful gifts, different from each other. They need to be recognized and cultivated for who they are. Number two, they also have minds that are learning and exploring. They're more capable of understanding things than I realize. Three, I am a consultant to them in the sense that I let them explore, experience, and discover. I don't try to dictate who they are or who they will become. I watch for teaching moments and respond to questions, but I try not to manage or dictate who they are. I teach them principles, hoping that they can therefore govern themselves. So that's the second word, Peg. Yeah, they're just, it's so important. Um, it is incredible what it can do when you have that in your mind. You know, as a mom, I used to go in the bathroom every morning, and I, when we had a bunch, ton of little kids running around, I said, I am going to be the calm center of the storm that I'm walking into, no matter what. I'm going to be the eye of the storm. Well, that's a perfect one, Linda, because the third word peg is calmness. Right. The third wow. thing you program yourself to be is a father. So a father who is self-programming the concept of calmness says to himself, here's the things he tells himself every day. I'm calm in the presence of my children. They feel my calmness and respond to it. I am consistent with my children and discipline and, and being responsive to their questions and in doing certain things they can depend on. And three, my feelings and behavior with my children are congruent. They let me see my real emotions. I let them see my real emotions. And they're always in control. Oh, that's really um, a good goal. Well, <laughs> that, there that's sometimes a tough one. That doesn't work. But that's the idea of, of thinking about that before yeah, things about happen. It. Thinking so about it is so important. And then the last one, the last of the four, and these are all C words, the, the ones for the, the, the partnership or for the, the, the husbandship are all start with a P, and the ones for fathership all begin with a C. So the last one is concentration. 
a father concentrates on one child at a time. And so he says to himself, each of my children is unique. I appreciate them. I work on one at a time. Parenting is individual. It's not collective. I find ways to be alone with each of them each day and talk directly to them. So you get the idea. We're kind of happy about reviewing this book and the idea that it is time to think about the type of father or the type of mother you are. And you don't work on your kids or your spouse to do that. You work on yourself and you choose certain words that describe the kind of partner or the kind of parent you want to be. And you program those words into yourself. So take that and chew on it this week. Wow, that's a big order. We appreciate your listening in today and we hope that you'll give those a try and join us again next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. 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 